The IRS gets another shot at a long-term investment in its enforcement and taxpayer services. Senate Democrats are looking to give the IRS $80 billion over the next decade to help shrink a growing tax gap between what taxpayers owe and what the agency collects. The package also gives the Postal Service funding for electric vehicles. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman joins me with the latest. And what would exactly the IRS do with $8 billion a year over 10 years, Jory? It would be able to do certainly a lot in summary here. More specifically, a good chunk of the money would go towards IRS enforcement operations, $45 billion, in fact. There would be $25 billion that would go towards operations support, things like IT. Nearly $5 billion would go towards specifically an ongoing IT modernization effort. It's supposed to take six years in total, and they're halfway through on that. And $3 billion would specifically go towards taxpayer services. All told here, particularly on the enforcement side of things, it's expected that the IRS would be able to generate $124 billion over this 10-year period of time in additional revenue, shrinking essentially the tax gap between what taxpayers owe and what the IRS is able to collect every year. All right. So that's basically people and IT work then, correct? That's a pretty good way to put it. And does it have a chance of getting through because it keeps getting kind of cut out every time they get close to some sort of budget deal? Yeah, this is a bit of a deja vu moment here. This was a provision that we originally saw in the Build Back Better Act. Now, that, of course, didn't pass because Senator Joe Manchin was unsupportive of the plan. Well, This reconciliation plan has come up from Manchin himself, as well as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. So that is one hurdle that the Senate wouldn't have to worry about if this does get a floor vote. And we're expecting to get one next week, according to Schumer. So things are looking a little bit better, but it's really hard to tell with these things sometimes. Well, it's still a multi-hundred billion dollar bill, even though it's not the original Build Back Better. But what would this mean for the IRS workforce then? Well, what's good about this package is that we've seen a lot of ink spilled on it already in the earlier vehicle for this. The Congressional Budget Office last year reported that the IRS, if it got this money, could double its workforce. Now, a couple of caveats here. The IRS workforce is older on average than the federal workforce, and so it loses more people to retirement and attrition as a result. Just last year, the IRS put together a report that said that in 2020, it had 33,000 fewer employees than it did a decade ago. So the agency time and again says it's just been hollowed out in terms of a workforce perspective and is able to do less as a result. We also heard from the National Treasury Employees Union on this. They said that the IRS lost more than 8,000 customer service representatives from 2010 to 2020. Again, painting a picture of the level of service it's just not able to provide to taxpayers these days. Right. So then besides being able to audit 10 times more taxpayer returns, then would their service to taxpayers that want questions answered, that want to see about their checks, or the IRS can't answer the phones and so forth, would that also be part of this improvement effort with the money? That's the idea and that's the expectation is that you would see more people and more chairs in all of the divisions across the IRS. And case in point here on the taxpayer services, another interesting item in all of this, the IRS would get $15 billion to put together a report to Congress, a fairly expensive report, to come up with a proposal for developing and running a free direct e-file tax return system. This is something the IRS does not do currently. It works with a consortium of tax preparers who offer to provide 
free online tax filing services for the public if they meet certain criteria. But this would be the IRS running and maintaining this e-file system here. And so they're going to see the art of the possible, what they can do. And that report's going to include an independent third-party assessment of whether the IRS could actually pull this off. Interesting. Again, this would be part of the reconciliation towards the what used to be called the Build Back Better bill, but not part of the 2023 appropriation package. Yeah, same effect, but different name, different vehicle. And speaking of vehicles, what about electric vehicles for the Postal Service? We talked about that a few days ago, and this would give them money also? It would. It would give the Postal Service $3 billion of spending money to put towards electric vehicles, as well as the charging infrastructure on this. This is being uh, talked about in the bill as part of a larger $9 billion investment in federal procurement of American-made clean technologies to create a stable market for clean products. Uh, That part of things has not been made as clear yet. We're going to get more details on that soon, I imagine. But the postal thing, of course, we've heard time and again. We reached out to the Postal Service for comment on this. They said they are reviewing this proposal in terms of funding and what it would mean for the complement of electric vehicles versus gas-powered vehicles. The Postal Service recently announced that of its 50,000 of its 50,000 vehicles that it's going to order from Oshkosh Defense, half of them are going to be electric. That was a big step in the electrification step. But we also heard recently from Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. He spoke at the American Enterprise Institute, and here's what he had to say about that. The vehicles weren't getting younger. We got people that are told not to put the vehicle in reverse when you go out to deliver. Right, they're burning up on the streets when you when you're out there. Yeah, those old Ford automatic transmissions. I guess if you put them in reverse now, the postal truck gets on fire. Yeah, his point here is that you know the postal service, regardless of what they run on, they needed new trucks yesterday, and so he's very much urgent on this. All right, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out his stories on both topics at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you? You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most is being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, I, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League play- baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had wadded tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually I thought about throughout my entire career, 
He took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. And, and, and he was just really honest with me and he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was, I think, my inspiration for going on to, I hope, become the leader, um, you know, that, that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood. And I, and I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind, that, that what we say and do, admit, especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style? And, and how has that developed over time? I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on the results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards two different administrations. You founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2, a social security administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. It's, that's That was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney. But, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office. And lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, from there, I went to the Department of Defense and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a, a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership, because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating. Um, you know, from hi historical to current, uh, current times, I just, it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so 
I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, we need you. The Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks is looking for you to help support veterans, help with youth scholarships, and be a force in your community. Being a member of the Elks is where you can do all this and much more. We are 31 lodges strong across the state of Iowa. Help pass on our principles of charity, justice, brotherly love, and fidelity. If interested, go to elks.org and use the lodge locator to find a lodge near you. Elks care. Elks share. Brought to you by the Iowa Elks Association. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.